0: Hello and welcome to Cross-Cheek Coaching. I'm your host Jason from Hawthorne Union. This show is designed to be bite-sized information on personal growth, career and leadership development and professional coaching. All right. So we're back with another episode of Cross-Cheek Coaching. I'm Jason and with me today is David. Hello. David, how do you like to be introduced?
1: Um, you know, why don't you introduce me?
0: Yeah. Okay. So this is David, David McNeil. Uh, Just kidding. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> David Malizia. David Malizia. And he works for Predictive Index, uh, where I've been spending the past week, today is Thursday, this was day four, of training, learning all about their talent solutions. And I asked David to come to the show and tell a little bit about what Predictive Index does? What he does? And we'll find a little bit about the man, the myth, the legend.
1: Yeah, legend, definitely legend.
0: And uh, everyone around here calls him Little Dave. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to be
1: uh, Little Dave when you're six foot five, two hundred and eighty pounds, and, and wear an extra medium
0: shirt. It actually looks really good, though. I mean, Thank you, appreciate that. Holy cow! <laughs> uh, he he looks—if you can imagine—the mountain from Game of Thrones but a little bit more personable with no accent, that is David. (laughs) He's much bigger than I am. (laughs) So, David, tell me a little bit about why you agreed to talk to me today.
1: I am a partner success manager here at the Predictive Index, and uh, you have uh, become one of my partners that I work with. So my job here is to be an advocate for you and to provide you with, uh, with different ways that you can be successful, mm-hmm. whether that's, um, help you with marketing, help you with, um, with brand awareness, uh, help you, you know, close business with your potential clients. And, uh, and so my expertise is around sales and, uh, and I figured that it'd be nice for you to, to have a conversation with me, a little one-on-one about how we could best improve and, and work together.
0: Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what attracted you and why predictive index specifically. It's a great question.
1: Um, I actually spent a long time looking for the right job when I, I was laid off, Uh, A couple years ago, um, I had a nice little severance package. I was uh, bartending on the weekends, and I decided that that was a time in my life where I could um, kind of re-image myself and refocus on what I wanted to do moving forward. And I knew I wanted to be in software. I hadn't been in software for a couple of years, so I knew I wanted to be in software. And... I just kept getting these signs, different people from, from different walks of life kept coming up to me and telling me that, um, that the predictive index was a great company. They were growing. They are, you know, five star across the board on Glassdoor. Like the culture here is amazing and it was something I should look into. Mm-hmm. And I kept kind of moving one step closer, but then other things would come up. And I'd look at, I started, you know, looking at other companies just because of different opportunities. And, and once I realized that like the third person said, Dave, this place is amazing. You should come work here. That's when it really became evident that this was the right, right position for me. So, um, six months later, I can tell you that. It is one of the most incredible experiences I've ever had. The management here is amazing. The, uh, the lifestyle and culture that we have here is absolutely incredible. And I get to work with so many different walks of life, like yourself, you know, and each single person I work with is very different, has different expectations and different motives for what they're doing. So being able to kind of always be a chameleon and, uh, and, and, uh, <clears throat> provide different, Uh, different resources for them Mm -hmm. is just so fun. So it's never the same thing every single day.
0: Yeah. And so what about that variety shows to you that you've made the right choice and you've picked the right employer?
1: When you say variety, what do you mean by that?
0: Well, that's what you said. I get to do different things every day. Now, how do you know that these are all things that you enjoy, all things that you excel at, or is that even a factor?
1: There's a sense of accomplishment that I get every day when I I go home and I feel like I've improved somebody's life or business.
0: Yeah. And what about the predictive index is giving you that you weren't getting at other other previous employers? Oh well they I mean their their whole the whole
1: motto here is better work, better world, right? Mm-hmm. So they make that evident. I have put on Twenty pounds since I've started working here because there's lunch here every day. Yeah. Um. The people I meet here, I can't tell you one person that I don't genuinely like or uh, haven't had a you know positive conversation or relationship with. Mm-hmm. It's just in an, in in a, a culture of everybody looks out for each other. As, as a group, like everybody looks after one another, right? Yeah. And, um, and that's just amazing. The, the, the founders, Daniel and, and Mike Zani are just absolutely amazing human beings. And you can clearly see that they, they love and care about us as employees, but also the partners that we work with. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that when we get emails talking about, um, you know, partners that are going through troubling times or um, we had a partner pass away who had been a legacy partner 20 years ago and um, they passed away. And it was a, a testament to the work that they had done in their own lives with PI, but also outside of that. And you could tell that it was just personal and, um, and it was, it was real, which you don't see, you don't see from CEOs of companies.
0: Yeah. And I think that when it comes to corporate culture, you know, employee, an employer of choice, those are things that everyone wants to have, right? They want to have that tight knit. And what is it that is happening here that allows you to have those connections? Because those, again, those are things that there's great people everywhere. But obviously I can just tell, even by your body language, which is, is very genuine, that this is not just something you're saying because we're recording here. It's something that you actually believe.
1: Yeah, um I've worked for a lot of different companies uh, over the course of my career and uh there are companies that I absolutely loved because of the environment I was in mm-hmm. or the um my colleagues. Uh but I've never had a relationship where um you know the CEO walks around and has a nickname for me. Or, um, or, you know, we, we start our conversations, our meetings, our, our all company meetings with dad jokes, which by the way, Daniel, I'm coming at you. And so, um, it's just, it's just a great environment and, um, I love working here. I'm used to working from home and I wake up every morning excited to come into the office.
0: Yeah. So what I'm hearing, it's about that relationship that is being modeled by your leaders and that's being emulated by the other people. Would that be accurate?
1: Yeah. I mean, we definitely drink the Kool-Aid here. Like when I say, I mean, the predictive index is a, is a resource for companies to, uh, to create a better talent strategy. Mm -hmm. And when we go into meetings with upper management or executives, or you go into meetings with your team, you know, the type of, behaviors the people that you're talking to have and you model your your actions towards that Mm -hmm. in a
0: way that helps everybody communicate and build more effective teams so i want to dive into that but first i do have to ask what is the ceo's nickname for you are you allowed to say (laughs)
1: You had to ask me that, and it's you brought it it, up. Typically, he just calls me by my last name, yeah, which is Malizia. So it's not an easy last name, but um, you know, he's also commented on the fact that I'm twice his size, so that's okay. So it's not McNeil, it's not McNeil. Okay, no, I don't know, you killed me on that one.
0: (laughs) So let's let's dive into exactly what predictive index is and what it's like to work at a company that features this type of software.
1: You know, that's, that's a great question. I guess I'm going to flip that back to you and ask you what you've seen from the software that you can, you can see is happening every single day here.
0: Yeah. So for me, how I would explain predictive index is that it is a emotional intelligence or what we call, uh, for those of us in organizational development or coaching, an EQ like tool that allows to show a behavioral profile on someone. And that behavioral profile allows you to predict the tendencies, the way people act in their natural environment, and gives you some insights into the way that they like to communicate and they like to work. And so what I've seen is that when you walk around here in the predictive index offices, which is very, very modern, there's a mix between open uh, and collaborative workspaces is that those those uh, profiles are public. It's not private information. It's not treated as a dirty secret. Uh, they're shared. They're out in the open. I just met another person who's wearing their their behavior profile. There's names for each of them on on his shoulder, like a badge of honor. And uh, that's, so, that's so interesting. Normally, you see those things as a byproduct, maybe in an email signature, you know, under uh, the type of quotes. Success is always an option. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, but not only is it that, but it is... It is very, very loud. The volume is absolutely turned up on it, and so I find it so interesting that not only uh, when you say drink the kool-aid, which kind of sounds can be a little negative, is that it's something that not just that you're you're providing as a service but it's also something that you're you're actually living by and it seems to it seems to be working. There's a lot of happy people, and it seems to be more than just the ping pong tables and the free sodas and. Keep keep
1: in mind the ping pong tables are designated for certain times of the day. We don't have people on there all day long because that would not be beneficial um, for the company dynamic. But, um, you know, you mentioned the Kool-Aid as could be, could be considered negative drinking the Kool-Aid. I don't believe it is when you're, when you're talking about a, you know, a company that is, is advertising that we change the way people work. And change the way people communicate. Mm-hmm. So if we don't believe in that, and if we don't do what we say that we can do, then I think that that would be negative. Yeah. Right?
0: So. I mean, I, there is always the story of, for example, one of the Amazon executives on CNN, uh, talking about their new wireless, uh, earphones with AirPods in his mm-hmm. ears, you know, and there's always, uh, we've caught so-and-so at, at Pepsi and they had a, a Coca-Cola in their hand. Um, there's always cases of like those and they're they're, they're definitely front page fodder, but there is something truly different when you see people that believe in their own product. And I honestly find that a little, a little rare, like there's always people that have champions, but it doesn't seem to be as embraced as it, as it is here.
1: Yeah, it's certainly not going to be 100%, but -hmm. I think our iron plate engagement is at like 90 something percent or something like that, which is absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So in an environment where everything is open, it's very collaborative, and everyone is very, very comfortable sharing. Is there any difficulties that you've encountered as a a new person to this enterprise?
1: Difficulties? No, no. I am very much open to change, and I think that if you're willing to be that type of person, mm-hmm. you're gonna, you're gonna thrive in this type of environment. Um, I think one of the things I find incredibly um fascinating is the fact that we have some some young people um within marketing and within sales and stuff uh, some of the different positions here and When I say young people, I'm like this is their first job out of college mm-hmm. now. Uh, I've been working for a long time in the type of environment and culture that we have here where we have book clubs on Wednesday nights and we have um, uh, all company meetings and then followed by lunches and ice cream to celebrate birthdays where we have group outings and the P.I. Olympics. Like these are things that as a culture, we 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 love to to uh, to, to grab onto and really promote Um if they ever left this company, they're going to be sorely disappointed no. as to how other companies are run. What do you think they would find? Um, depression. And uh, anxiety. And stress. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, cubicles we have we have standing uh, desks here where it, there's no there's no cube uh even the offices have uh, all of the offices have glass windows and doors there's it's a very open community so um i think that that's very different than what the um than what other companies
0: are like yeah absolutely do you think there's any trouble with that type of focus when everything is collaborative and everything's shared is there any downsides to that when you just need to put your head down and work
1: No. In, in, you know, there's different ways that you can communicate that with people, right? Uh, I am a, I'm going to use a, a internal term here, a maverick, which is very personable, um, uh, also very influential and dominant in conversation. Um, I also like to bend the rules a little bit. So, you know, for me, it's, it's a really great position because I get to create new processes and, and work with people in, in their sales process. Right. So, um, when i don't when i can't talk to somebody i put my headphones on and i give them the one finger and they understand you know they're in having the placards on everybody's desks allows us to see that you know if there's a certain person that is is not able to focus uh with interruption then mm-hmm. you email them or slack them instead of uh instead of uh, going right up to them and and talking with them while they're in the middle of something
0: yeah i think that's interesting because a lot of the uh, the downsides that you'll see in like the Harvard Business Journal about that open environment is that it works for some people, but it doesn't work for others. Yeah. And it's interesting that because you have these behavioral placards, there's a kind of cantilever where you can see, and if you become familiar with the, the predictive index system, you can see right in front of you if that person is going to respond well or if you are going to want to communicate with them another way.
1: Absolutely. I had an experience where I was working at another company – for several years, and we ended up moving to a uh, open office environment from a cubicle type environment, and um, it changed the dynamic drastically. Mostly because me being in a you know customer facing role where I'm on the phone talking a lot, I um, my voice does carry. I am a presence. I was kind of sequestered to a, like a certain area of the office, <laughs> and I yeah it it yeah they called it the Dave Corner. Uh, the Dave Cave, and uh, because I was on the phone all the time. Now we didn't have a very large sales organization, so mm. it was me and uh, maybe one or two other people that would do this, or we'd work from home. You walk around the office and it's pitch quiet. It's it's like just you can hear a pin drop, and it made me feel uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Here yeah. you don't see that.
0: No, it's it's very it's very lively. Um, Mm -hmm. And not to say that it doesn't look like people are just being social. It just seems very active, Mm -hmm. very energetic. And enjoyable. Yeah. open, Welcoming.
1: I mean, we have the finance department sitting right behind us and then the sales team right next to them. And, you know, finance and sales, they're two totally different beasts, right? So Mm -hmm. that's that's what
0: that is. So I'd like to kind of shift and talk about the um, partner success manager role. Great. And so – Let's start with why you call it partner, not affiliate or associate or any other term. It's a really great question. Um,
1: When you think about a partner, you think about somebody that you have a shared interest in, a a vested interest Mm -hmm. um, or risk, right? So this isn't about just PI being successful. It's about our partners being successful as well. And we support that all the time. Um, we have a philosophy that when it comes to engagement and, um, who, who's most important to us Mm -hmm. as a company, it's client first, then partner, then our direct sales team, and then the organization as a whole. So you know, we, that, that lives and breathes in all of us. So, you know, partner's needs are very important to us and we take that very seriously. And, um, the client's needs are the only thing that's, that's more important than partner needs. And when I say client, by the way, I mean the partner's clients, not the PI customers. Mm -hmm.
0: And how do you and your team define success?
1: So I define success by um, how much my partners are able to embrace and understand and go to market mm-hmm. th- with the PI products. Uh, I also define success as how happy my partners are, how successful they are. If they're successful, then I'm
0: successful. So it's interesting that you call it, you know, partner success manager rather than sales, even though it obviously is a sales driven role. So where does the, the, you know, the revenue generation, the, obviously the things that keep the lights on and so on and so forth. And for the partners, the people that are working with PI, where does the, the money factor in? Is it a top priority? Is it secondary? Are they equally weighted?
1: It's the partner success manager role is specifically that it's not just about sales sales is a big portion of what we do Mm -hmm. but it comes down to what kind of marketing support do you need do you how what kind of education do you need around the pi products or about talent optimization as a whole you know um and however i can support you and help you get that information that's what i do so it's almost Bits and pieces of all of the different positions that we have here at PI, uh, customer success manager, which is helps, helps with a customer onboarding. So I have to help my partners onboard and implement the software for their clients. Mm-hmm. I have to help my partners do demos. I have to help my partners do discovery calls. I do training. I do, um, I help with, uh, you know, information around our software, I help with um, information or, or education around the best way to do QBRs for their clients, mm-hmm. you know, so there's so many different hats that you couldn't sit here and say that you're a partner sales manager, because it's not specifically sales.
0: Yeah. And how is that different from the other sales role? D that you've had, or is it similar that you're always a jack of all uh, trades? It's
1: so transactional, right? Um, other sales roles are very transactional. It's, it's, you build a relationship, build a relationship, build a relationship, close the business, and then move on to the next thing. Whereas you and I will continue talking for months and years after we, we end this podcast.
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah, well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and so. As we start to shift away, um, talk to me. You brought up talent optimization, which is one of the things that that I'm learning here on how to bring that to other organizations that we support. What is your take on talent optimization as a category, as a new field? You know, is it just some fancy new name, or is it something that that has resonated with you? Could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it's so interesting because when I first started looking at pi as a as a potential employer talent optimization was not a a a category Mm -hmm. and you know our 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 team uh, has done such a great job of creating a category in the same way that hubspot has created inbound marketing and um and you know other companies have created their categories our team has been so successful in it and it's just been such a great experience being so close to that. Um, you know talentoptimization.org is a great site to, to go take a look at um what talent optimization uh, can be and should be mm-hmm. and it's so many different aspects of of talent um whether it comes down to hiring uh best practices or um education or coaching or um even uh, how to a, create effective teams you know it's uh, talent optimization is is a it should be uh, adopted by more people and hopefully the the name will be out there a lot more
0: yeah so for those that are that are familiar with this shift to talent acquisition talent management um how does talent optimization fit in and how does it start differentiating itself so it's not just corporate speak
1: it's 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 the umbrella conversation right mm-hmm. it's when we look at What we are bringing to the market, we talk about bridging the gap between business strategy and business results, right? And the only way to get from business strategy to business results is to hire the right people who are able to do the right job. And that's what talent optimization is all about. And creating the, the job to fit the right person is important. And so that's part of talent acquisition. Mm-hmm. Increasing um, productivity within your organization is super important. That's talent optimization. Putting together project teams, teams that, that are heading up different projects in order to grow your organization, that's talent optimization. So it's really an all-encompassing um, philosophy. And that's, that's what I think T.O. brings to the, uh, brings to the table.
0: Awesome. So now let's talk a little bit um, as we kind of come into a close here, David, about you. So part of the the biggest question of this show is how do people that support other people, such as yourself, because you're supporting me and supporting Hawthorne Union, how do you support yourself? How do I support myself? Mm-hmm. Like, what does that mean? So you support and develop other people. You help <laughs> us be successful. Oh, man. And what are the things that you do to keep growing, to keep learning, to recharge your batteries. You
1: know, I, I love one of the things I mentioned earlier was that I get to work with so many different walks of life. Right. Mm -hmm. And I try to kind of pull from those people, Yeah, you know, like, like you are a coach. So getting your input on how I can improve myself or what you see things that I can, I could, I could possibly, I'm going to say change, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I will pull that from you. And I take that to heart. And I am so open to that kind of constructive criticism that it, I think that that changes all the time. Um, that helps me change all the time. I also am constantly listening to audible, um, and reading books as much as I possibly can just to get different viewpoints of life and how to kind of address the things that everybody goes through. Yeah. Um, I work out a lot because I, 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 Yeah, I, I, I want to be healthy and I want to, I want to live a very long and happy life. And the most important thing is that I've got a seven year old daughter who is just, uh, the apple of my eye. And, um, my life changed a hundred percent when she was uh, brought into the world. And I just want to be the best father I can be. And by working in a place that promotes that type of family life, um, and, and, uh, and it helps promote a healthier lifestyle for me. Mm-hmm.
0: That helps build me up. So what is it that you do to make sure that you have a good balance for a career that you feel really, really passionate about and obviously, you know, your daughter who means a lot to you?
1: I say no. I say no to certain things that – um are could be possibly a distraction we have book clubs here and i love the book club so i will spend the month reading the book and being prepared to go to book club but if it falls on the night where i have my daughter i don't go mm-hmm. you know um, i make her a priority and when i am with her you know there's no devices there's no uh distractions there's there's only her and i and that helps to build a relationship between us
0: Yeah. And so when you're reading books, you also mentioned Audible. Is there anything that you've read or heard, because it's Audible, and this is a podcast after all, Mm -hmm. uh, anything that you've heard that's really, really stuck with you after, or maybe something you're listening to right now?
1: Oh, there's so many different things. I I pull quotes from books all the time. Um, if for instance, sales is the transfer of enthusiasm. I talk about that with a lot of my partners. Mm-hmm. If you're so enthusiastic and so excited about what you're talking about and what you're doing, then other people will grab that enthusiasm and they'll feel the same way that you do. That is a transfer of enthusiasm. They'll want to buy what you're selling. Yeah. Okay? Um, that's one. The, what's another thing that I, I talk about all the time? Oh, relationships are like piggy banks. All right. This comes from the, the seven habits of highly effective people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Covey. Um, if, if you're not putting into a relationship as much as you're taking out and the other person's putting in more, uh, than they are taking out, then, um, there's going to be imbalance, right? Um, indistractable is a book I just uh, finished reading with our book club here. And it talks about having those times where you need to prioritize your family over machines and, and devices and stuff like that. So, um, and even, even then, you know, wanting to listen to podcasts on audible needs to take a, a back seat. So, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of different aspects of my life where I try to, I try to pull from books and see how it fits in, how I can possibly change.
0: Yeah. Do you ever get out of balance where you feel like you're spending too much time with devices or any other distractions?
1: Yeah, always. I think everybody does.
0: What is it that you do to bring that balance back? Um,
1: I don't know. Self-reflection is important. Um, I fall asleep every night listening to meditation music mm. in order to make sure that I'm calming my mind. Um, and I, I rely heavily on my faith as well, my religion. Awesome. Yep. Awesome.
0: Well, this has been a really cool conversation. Thank you so much, Jason. I appreciate
1: you. Yeah. Thanks, David. Thanks so much. And uh, you have a great rest of your week. Yeah. Whatever you do, don't have too many beverages
0: tonight. I won't. I won't. I've i already had like three packages of goldfish and cheese. its so I've got to take it easy. <laughs> You've got to lay off. Um, but before we close out the show, where can people find out more about you, more about Predictive Index? You already mentioned the Talent Optimization website. Anything else you want to... Leave off. Yeah, I would love for people to um,
1: connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, David Malizia, M A L I Z I A. Also, you know, don't hesitate to to reach out via via that and see if there's any way that we can network. I can help you. You can help me. We'll see how that goes. Uh, you can also take a look at thepredictiveindex.com, um, and uh, and yeah,
0: that's pretty much about it. All right, we'll put those in the show notes and we'll leave it there at that. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. For more information on Hawthorne Union, you can go to www.hawthornunion.com or reach us at infohawthornunion.com.